Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. So, Psalms chapter 119, verses 9 through 11, like I said, God's Word should be the foundation of what we use as far as what we think about in this world. Because the world is telling us how we should think. Then we have people telling us how we should think. Then we have all different types of influence that tells us how we should think. And most of the time, I don't know about you guys, but as for me, as a disciple of Jesus, as a follower of Jesus, I want to make sure that what I think about lines up with what the Bible says. Because if it doesn't, then I have to go to the Word of God and make sure that my thinking is right. It's right with what the Word of God says. So, it says here, Psalms chapter 119, verse 9 through 11 says, How can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word? With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you, that I might not sin against you. So right away, the main words of these scriptures is God's word. God's word. I want you to think about that. God's word is what the psalmist is saying, that he wants to know more to influence the way that he lives and thinks. God's word keeps our way pure, right? As believers and followers of Jesus Christ, we have to walk in a pure way with God. We can't be living our lives a certain way that it doesn't line up with the Bible, We have to walk in a way in purity. And that's not always going to happen, but we have to strive as people, as followers of Jesus, to live in a way that's pure to the Lord. Right? And it's interesting to me that a lot of times when we go through circumstances, when we go through life, um, you know, we're all people and we have to choose the way that we live. You have to choose the way that you live. God has given us decisions, a free will to decide whether we're going to walk down the pure way or not. So God, when you get saved, God has sealed you with his Holy Spirit. He's filled you with his Holy Spirit. You may not know everything there is to know about the Bible and how we should live life, but eventually as you grow up as a Christian, you find out there's a certain way that we should live. There's a certain way that a Christian should live that's pleasing and pure to God. In Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates. He thinks about it day and night. He shall be like a tree planted By the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So right there, God is telling us that we should be in love with him and his word because it's good for us. It's good for us to know God's word, to follow it so we can live in a pure way. And sometimes in our lives, we come into a situation where you... 
guys, you're going to have to make decisions this week to walk in a pure way or not, to be holy or not. In the way that you think, in the way that we act, in the way that we speak, you're going to have to decide every single day to do the right way of God or not. And God is telling us, you know what? If you follow my ways, all the things that you do will prosper. Not like, you know, if I follow God that everything, you know, will prosper, like physically, I'll be stronger or, or um, I'll get, you know, all my finances will handle. No, God is telling us that if we follow his way, there's peace, no matter what the circumstance that we're in. God's word keeps us pure. God's word keeps us pure. The second point is God's words keeps us from wandering to sin. We have to be grounded in God's word. I, we have to be intentional to be in the word of God. And how does that look for you? How does that look for me? For me, when I wake up in the morning, I have, you know, we have our, we have our phones. There's a bunch of different apps on there. I like to listen to the Bible when I'm just lying in bed before I start my day. I have like a uh, going through the Bible. You know, there's the blue letter Bible on. You can download on the apps. There's the U version. There's all types of tools that God has placed that we can use to help us grow in our walks. So for me, when I get up in the morning, I have my Bible on the on the on the phone. I just pull it up. And I'll just lay there for like 10, 15 minutes, and I'll just listen to the Word of God. I love listening to the Gospels, to Jesus' life. I love to listen to that because it builds my faith up, you know. And you, it, we're all different. We all grow differently. And you got to find out what's, what's right for you. But the thing is, we have to take action and be intentional of being in God's word, whatever that is for you. If it's five minutes, 10 minutes, you know, increase that 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I don't know. You have to figure it out. Pray that God will help you in that. So God's word keeps our way pure. God's word keeps us from sinning. And the psalmist says that we hide God's word in our hearts. In Psalms chapter 40, verse 8, it says, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. God's word should be hidden in our hearts. And how do we do that? Maybe you memorize a scripture. Maybe you're going through a difficult time and you need to trust God in certain situations. Go to the Bible and just find some verses where it talks about trusting in God, not trusting in you, putting your faith in God, growing in God. Get a scripture and just keep it with you. Get a note card or whatever, put it on your phone, highlight it. You know, just look at that throughout the day. That will really help you out because you will be grounded in God's word. We should hide God's word in our hearts because we need God's word when we're influenced by the world and, what's, and how they tell us to think. We, re we really do need it. So the fourth point on here says God's word shapes our thinking. God's word shapes our thinking. Think about your week this week. How many times you had to make a decision that the Bible used to shape the way you're going to decide what to do? If it was up to me, I'd probably not even, you know, 
take what's best for me as far as the situation and make my own decision on things. But we have to filter all our decisions with what God's Word says. And if we don't know, if we don't know what the Word of God says, then it's not going to help us, right? So we have to be intentional. We have to let God shape our thinking. And the only way he does that, if we know his word, if we know his word. Our second scripture we're going to jump to is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3 through 5. So the first point I wanted to make on our first scripture was God's word is the foundation of our thinking, the foundation of our thinking. You know, I could think, if you think about it, before Christianity, when Christianity goes into any society, it changes that society for the better. We can see how, the, how Christianity influenced the U.S., how it influences the universities that were started, the hospitals that were raised up. I can, you know, I can relate totally to that because my nationality is Samoan. Christianity came to the Samoan Islands, to the Polynesian Islands in the 1800s. And before that, the people were savages. The Samoan people were savages. It's like what you watch in a movie. They have these grass skirts. They have these uh, weird uh, tattoos. They got tattoos. Uh, these weird things they were doing. The Christianity did not come to the islands until the 1800s. Before it came to the islands... There was like, sin was running rampant. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. You know, the Polynesian people, they're savage people before Christianity got there. They were warriors, and they uh, fought one another. They killed one another. And when they conquered a certain village or a certain island, they would take the women and children and mold them to become like them and kill off the men. Not only that, when they kill off the men, you know, they may, this may seem, but they were cannibalisms. They ate their enemy, really. They really did. I mean, my grandmother tells me stories, and I'm like, are you for real? And then, you know, that, that actually happened. That's before Christianity got there. So if you went to go visit the islands before Christianity got there, they'll probably take you and kill you and then eat you. So before that, then after Christianity got to the Samoan Islands, it changed the culture. You can go to the Pacific Islands right now. Right now, today is Sunday. There's no traffic. People don't drive. It's very religious. It's holy. They keep Sundays very holy. Even though they're religious, they're trying to follow what the Bible says. And there's many different churches there, and Christianity is like a staple of the islands. So after it came to the islands, they became civilized. So we can see that throughout the world, throughout history, wherever Christianity went, it influenced the way the people were thinking after it came to them. Because before then, it was nothing but you left it up to your own imagination, what's right, what's wrong, and what you did. So this scripture right here, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5, talks about spiritual warfare. Not only do we know that God's word is the foundation, but we, we, almost, we always have to realize that there's a spiritual warfare, that we are spiritual beings 
that there is a spirit realm that we cannot see and cannot fathom that's actually happening around us. Not only do we need God's word, but we need to be aware of that. You know, we're in a spiritual battle, guys, every single day. Every single day you battle against something. More likely than not, a lot of those battles you deal with are with your thoughts, right? It's what they're thinking. At least I, you know, every single decision I have to make, rather right and wrong, I thought about it first. I thought about it. So, in this scripture it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So we can see that we are in a spiritual battle every single day. The things that we cannot see what's going on, I think if God gave us glasses like we can see the spiritual realms around us, that would really freak us out. That would really freak us out. Also, in like back on the islands, they really believe in spirits because they practice witchcraft. They practice those things before, the, before Christianity came to the islands. I mean, you talk about ghosts, voodoos, all that weird stuff that people practice. That was happening there. Before Christianity came there, the mindset was a certain way. Christianity came there. They got the real truth about what actually happens, and it changes them. So we got to recognize that the war is spiritual. The war is spiritual. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, Paul's writing, and he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is, I, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul is saying that Christ lives in me. You know, when we tell people that, you know, when you get saved, Christ is going to come live in you, that, 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 that's just weird. That's, <laughs> some of the things that we believe in, it's just, you know, it blows my mind. Like, Jesus was taken up to heaven on the cloud. I've never, ever, I don't think anyone in this world in history has ever experienced that. But we read it in the Bible. Those things are spiritual. You know, there's spirits and demons buying and battling for you and I, for our minds. And we got to be aware of not only do we need God's word as a foundation, but there's a spiritual warfare that we must fight. The weapons we have are mighty in God. And what are these weapons? In Ephesians chapter 6, it tells us that. Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, and the Word of God. The Word of God. There's weapons that's available to us that we don't access. We try to 
handle our situations, our problems with our own way of thinking when the Bible clearly tells us that we can come to God and ask for help and there's faith available to us, there's uh, the word of God, there's the helmet of salvation, all these things. I mean, there's a spiritual warfare that we're not aware of, and sometimes we, we're so busy living our lives that we, take the, we forget to take the time to really understand that we really do need to pray for one another, that the body of Christ really needs to understand there's a spiritual warfare out there, and once we understand that, it'll allow us to be really concerned for one another and start praying for one another. You know, encouraging one another to get into God's word, to read the word, so you know when, when temptations and thoughts that are unpure come into your mind that we know how to handle those things. So the weapons we have are mighty in God. The third bullet point here are the strongholds that, that pulls us down. Pulling down strongholds. The strongholds in this context are wrong thoughts and perceptions contradicting the true knowledge of God and the nature of God. These strongholds are expressed in arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. My question is, what are some strongholds in our lives that we need to that we need God's help with? What are some strongholds? And a lot of those strongholds begins with our minds, with our thoughts. Our thought life. I don't know what it is for men. There's, you know, the opposite sex, lust, all that stuff. Those are strongholds that we have to deal with. Pride, we have to deal with. Strongholds that men go through, you know, that people go through. I mean, a stronghold could be, you know, the devil can use depression. Play with your mind, you're not good enough, you've sinned, you've sinned, you've done that sin over and over again. God's not going to listen to you. Those are strongholds that we have to battle with, that we have to change our thinking of what God says you are. You know, a lot of times when we're alone with our thoughts, and we've had a great walk throughout our lives, you know, you may go three months and your walk is just pure and holy, and, um, you know, you're having an awesome relationship with God. But then you come to a stronghold from the past, and you decide to do that stronghold. You give in to that stronghold. And then you're on the sideline for a little bit because you're enjoying that stronghold or you're entertaining that stronghold. But then eventually that stronghold could just, you know, take you off from what God wants to do in your life. And God is telling us that we must take every thought captive to help us to pull those strongholds down. A lot of times what we battle with is with our thoughts, our thinking, the way that we think about situations. Say, for instance, you know, you're married, you get into an argument, and your thoughts are like, you know, they're not pure, they're not holy. <laughs> they're like, man, what am I doing with this person, you know? Right away, the devil could bring a thought like, man, you've been married 20 plus years. I think it's time, 
you know, these thoughts come, at least I'm, I'm using myself as an example. It's like, you know, your walk is going well for three months, six months, everything is good. And then how you used to live, how you used to process your thinking in the past, you know, you get into an argument and then right away a thought comes into your mind. I don't have to deal with this stuff. You've already did your time in this marriage. Am I not the only one? It's like, it's like, where did that thought come from? You guys, you guys ever been there? It's like you're just going along and a thought comes into your mind. And then if you don't take that thought captive, you're just going to think about it, think about it, think about it. Guess what? Eventually, you may act on it. It's very important for us to be pulling down strongholds that the devil wants to use evil thoughts in our minds, that we need to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. It's like Pastor Ben said when he's up here, shut up, devil. I mean, sometimes you just have to talk to yourself. God, this thought came into my mind. I know it's not of you. I know it's a work of the enemy. Please help me to take every thought captive. Get rid of it. Because it will help you out. I know it's helped me out. So we need to take every thought captive. We need to battle against the carnal way of thinking and doing. Our thoughts must be brought captive and made obedient to Jesus. Every single thought, no matter how big or small, if it's not of God, you need to take it captive, bring it to Jesus. God, I know you know, you're at work, you're dealing with a customer, made you mad. It happens to me a lot. Because I, I deal with collections. So, <laughs> it's like, you know, it's business. God, help me do, to do the best job I can do. Help me not to be mad at this person. I don't know what they're going through. You know, those things, bam, give it to the Lord. Take it captive. Because if you don't take it captive... Our next scripture we're going to go to is James chapter 1, verses 13 to 15. This is what happens when you entertain thoughts and eventually leads into temptations. And when we don't take those thoughts captive, it could lead us to sin. James chapter 1, verses 13 to 15 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So we can see that our thoughts can lead us to sin. Our thoughts can lead us to sin. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. This is when God wiped out the world with the flood because look at that. Every single person on the face of the earth, their intentions, that every intention of their thoughts, think about this, you guys. There are billions of people in this world. A billion people 
all they want to do is evil desires. Sinning is running rampant. And God says in his word that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So he wiped out the world with the flood. But his grace saved people, and here we are today. Even though man has gotten to a place where they're so wicked, God says, I'm going to wipe this place clean. His grace was still there so that you and I may be redeemed back to him. So we see that our thoughts can lead to sin. Temptation, not check, can lead to sin. Sinful desires lead to sinful actions. We all know David's story, right? David's sin, we all know that he was an adulterer, he was a killer. And I'm glad the Bible says this because David was a man after God's own heart. He cheated and he took somebody's life because he wanted that woman, Bathsheba. It said it happened late one afternoon when David arose from the couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman, a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful, and David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, Is not that Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David knew exactly what he was doing. He thought about it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he thought about it, and then he went and prayed. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you, I'm the king. Thank you that you've given me servants. But he never really addressed the issue of his heart, which was he wanted eventually to sleep with this woman. He wasn't real with God. He didn't take every thought captive. Thank God we've got the Holy Spirit that lives in us, that directs us and leads us. You know, David didn't have that. He had God's word. He had a relationship with God, but he didn't always have the Holy Spirit with him. God would fill him with the Holy Spirit every, you know, once, you know, um, when he had to do something great for God, but he didn't have the Holy Spirit like we have the Holy Spirit today. So we can see that temptation not checked, that sinful desires can lead us to sinful actions. And when sin is fully grown, brings forth death. Now, we as believers, thank God that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We are saved from the wrath, from the judgment of God. But guess what? We're still in this life. We still have to live life. There's, we still have to make decisions of walking in purity or walking not in purity. So it's very important that we not only take every thought captive, but we have to decide to make the right decisions to grow as far as our spiritual walk is concerned. You know, most of the time when I end up in sin, it's always a thought, and when I don't, and when I entertain that thought, and you entertain it, entertain it, you think about it, you don't take it captive, you don't give it to God, eventually you move on over to the action side. And we see it, we see it all the time in our society. We see it all the time in the church, you know. It's very important that we deal with our heart issues. You know, if there's bitterness in us, 
man, we have to, we have to bring those things to God and really seek him on those things. Because I'll tell you guys what, there's, I've been, there's been times in my life when there's bitterness there and I don't want to hear from nobody. It's like the enemy got a hold of me and it's like, and you get knocked off your walk, you don't want to praise him, you don't want to read your Bible, you don't want to be around other believers, you don't want, you don't want nothing to do with God. So the devil can easily take those things and put us on the shelf. But guys, I encourage you, we need to address those and be real with God and be real with yourself. You know, if we have issues, we need to be real with this so God can deal with it. I think God waits for us to, like, really come to ourselves. And then we admit to ourselves, you know what, this is where I fall short. Please, God, help me. Then the cleansing power of the Holy Spirit just comes. It's like you just took a shower and, you know, you're outside working on the yard and you're all dirty. You just go take a shower and all this dirt and filth just comes off. It's like you're being washed. Washed by what? Washed by the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, because you're renewing your mind. You're thinking about what the Bible tells you what is good. And that leads us to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. So the foundation of our thinking should be God's word. We understand, we must know that there is a spiritual warfare that we have to go through. And then we deal with temptations because they will happen. They will happen to you this week. They happen every single day. Every single thought that we take, that's not of God. Those are temptations. So we must, how do we, how do we combat all these things? We must renew our minds in the word of God. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 states, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living, holy, and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you, may discern what is that, the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Conformed. Are we being conformed by the world and its way of thinking, or are we being conformed by the word of God? Take inventory of what you've done this week, what you thought about, and a lot of times it's like, you know, do I listen, do I handle things the way the world handles it, or do I handle things the way the Bible tells me to handle them? Relationships. You know, serving here at the church. Being at work. Being at home. You know, all those things. Are we being conformed by the world, or are we letting God do his mighty work in us. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 17 says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Because why? Because the, this world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So we got to be aware of who we're being conformed to. 
And we must be transformed. We must be transformed. The question is, who are you becoming? You know, you're a believer in Christ. Are you walking like a believer? Are you, or are you walking not like a believer? You know, who are you becoming? Every single day, we, you know, we should strive to walk in pure and holiness. No matter what it is. If there's a small thing that you can change today to be more pure with God, we should strive to do those things. Right? Our, some of the strongholds that we have, we should strive not to have those strongholds in our lives anymore. Like, if there's a certain sin that you like doing, and, it, and you know it's wrong, you know it's sinful, in your life, you should not be doing that sin like over and over and over again. Once you do do the sin, you should be remorseful. You should, you know, all those things come in. Shame, guilt, you're not good enough. So it makes you want to go do that sin more because you're like, man, God doesn't want to deal with me, but we don't understand what the grace of God is really like. It's like the, I always put an illustration, it's like the Pacific Ocean. I could go jump in the Pacific Ocean and I can never go to the deep. Like I can never swim to the deep. It's too deep. That's God's grace. You know, once we understand his grace, once you do come to the decision, okay, this stronghold's in my life, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with it? Guys, what am I going to do with it? Think about it. You have victory over those things. God has given you the power to overcome your sinful desires. God has given you his word. God has given us everything we need to live the holy life. Here, here, I don't know about you, but for me, it's just simply comes the disobedient. Plain and simple. This is like, God, I don't want to, I know what your word says, I just don't want to do it. You know, thought came into my mind, didn't take it captive. I just, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. The more and more you do that, the more your heart becomes callous, the more you quench the Holy Spirit. So we have to renew our minds every single day. We have to be transformed. And God is saying in these scriptures, are you living, are you a living holy sacrifice? Think about that. Are you living your life that's in purity before God? You know, I can understand people say, well, only there's, God's the only one that can judge. Yes, he is. Guess what? This word right here is God. And a lot of the behavior, the actions that we do, it's judged. By the word. When the word tells you there's a certain sin you should not be doing, obey. God says, it's better to have obedience than to bring your sacrifice to me because your sacrifices are nothing. I don't want your sacrifices. I want your obedience. When we obey the word of God, we're showing God that we love him. We're showing God that we know that you want the best for us. You know, it's like 
for us as parents, if we have kids, we want the best for our kids. We want them to, uh, you know, do the best they can in life and be the best person, be the best citizen. We want what's right for them. And we know if they go in a situation where they can hurt themselves, we have to correct them and bring them to the right way, right? That's the same way the Father's looking at you and me. And so it's very important that we really understand that we are living holy sacrifice to God. Because the spiritual worship that Paul talks about, that's your life. You want to worship God? Live a pure life. Be obedient to what he tells you. Because it's the best thing for you and I to obey. It's the best thing for you and I to obey. Okay, now we come to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. You know, sometimes we can do the best that we can do. And uh, we get put in a situation. And, you know, you're like, you know, you're put in a situation and you have to choose what's right and wrong. In this verse, it says, flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So we talk about, you know, what are youthful lusts or passions or dreams that, you know, that they're talking about here? Think about your passions and your dreams. What drives you? Like um, this message is called Think and Grow Spiritually. I took this from a play of words. There's a book called Think and Grow Rich. Have anybody heard of that book? It's very popular. It's been around for a long time. It's like a self-help book for people who are trying to think and grow rich. Then they have Think and Grow Friends, Think and Grow Whatever. So in in the book's way of thinking is you could have richness in this life by all you got to do is think about it. Like really put your mind to it. Think about the riches that will come to your life. Then eventually your thoughts will take you to lead action. And those actions will turn into richness. Whatever those are. Sometimes we're put in a situation where, you know, our dreams, our passions, they don't line up with the word of God. Then we got to change those. So the second bullet point right there is, what are you chasing? What are you chasing this morning? What are we pursuing this morning? Careers are good. I mean, there's a lot of good things in the world, but we have to always take inventory of where is it according to the Word of God. I mean, my daughter's going to LCU. She'll be graduating, and then she has to pursue a career. It's like she's young. And I know when I was young at that age, it's like you have the whole world in front of you. You know, the passions, the desires. Oh, I want to be a, I want to have this by the time I'm this age. I want to do this by the time I'm this age. I want to travel, blah, blah, blah. We have all these blahs. <laughs> but is it the right blah, right? Is it the right blah that God has for each one of us? Sometimes we need to change our little dreams and aspirations by the word of God. We need to pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. 
And we need to be real with God in our walks. I, that's, that's one thing about me. I'm like, man, if I have like, to be honest with you guys, if I don't like come to church, um, I come to, well, men's things or whatnot, if, not, if it's not a work situation, it's because there's like something in my heart that's not right. Like, you know, there's, it's just not right with God. I'm not real with God with what's going on in my life. You know, maybe there's heart issue. Maybe there's bitterness towards people. You know, we could be bitter against one another. We can hold those bitterness. It's like something that we have over other people. Oh, man, they treated me wrong. I I don't want to hear them. I don't want to see them. It's like you want to have a holy, righteous walk with God, and in your heart, there's like this thing in your heart that's like, man, I don't want to deal with that person, but are you really? You really want to? God's telling you, man, you really need to take care of this because you're just not, you're just not right. You're just like, oh, I don't want to deal with them. God, I love you so much. I honor you. I praise you, God. Then you see a brother or sister that, oh, nope, nope. Then you walk the other way. I'm speaking for myself. So if I walk away from you, then no. Nah. <laughs> I love you guys. Anyways, let's go on to the last scripture here. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1. When all else fails, listen to this, guys. The writer of Hebrews is writing, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Hebrews was written to Jews that were becoming believers. Now these Jews became believers, but then they were going back and trying to redo the Jewish customs, the sacrifice. They're trying to do the Jewish thing to be accepted by Jesus. And the writer's telling them, guys, you're holy, not because of what you've done or not because of what you're doing, but because Jesus died and he was raised. And so he's writing to them. He's telling them, you know what? You're holy already. You're partakers of the heavenly calling, not because of what you've done, but because of Jesus. If all else fails, when it comes to our thought life, ask yourself, why? Why should I be doing this that's not right or pure before God? Why? Because you're holy. I know you and I don't really understand or take a grip. I'm still like, God, I'm holy even though I've done those things? Yup. And we have to have the right thoughts. We have to think about what God says about us, not what the thoughts that the devil brings our way or the thoughts that other people could influence us to think, but we have to think about what the Bible tells us. Not only are you holy, but we each one of us has a heavenly calling. We're called to heaven. We'll be with Jesus. And the bottom line is, when it comes to your thinking, consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. Consider the love that he had for you and me, that he died on the cross. When you consider Jesus and the thoughts come your way and you have to choose between right and wrong, 
It's going to be so easy for you to choose what's right. It's like, it's like your mom and dad, you don't want to disappoint them, right? And you want to do, you just want to do what's right in their eyes. Consider Jesus. Okay, the very last one as the worship team comes up. We're just going to review this and uh, let's just put it to application. How can I apply these things to my life? Here's, here's what I did, guys. For the past 10 plus years, I've had this in my Bible. When I really struggle with stuff, those scriptures that I just went over with you, I like to take it out and read it, meditate on it, what the Word of God says. It shapes the way I think. And then when I'm going through a battle, I like to pray, God, I thank you that your word is true. I know and I understand that there's a spiritual warfare, and I know you have all that I need to overcome this. God, help me to take my thoughts captive. Help me to renew my mind of what is true and right according to your word. And then when I put in a situation where I'm just there and sin is there, Help me to flee but pursue you. Because why? Because I have a heavenly calling. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. And I want to consider Jesus before I do anything evil or unpure. I want to walk in a righteous and pure way. Renewing your mind every single day with the word of God. So I hope this blessed you and that you would use this to apply it, to work things out in your own lives, no matter what scriptures, take scriptures, memorize a verse, memorize a song, listen. Your mind is a very powerful thing that God has given us. And if, uh, if we're influenced by the right things, we'll always make the right decisions, always, because the word of God says there. Okay? Let me pray and we'll close this out. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to share your word this morning. Thank you for just loving us the way that you do. Help us, God, with our thought life. Help us to think what is true from you, God. Help us to uh, help us, God, to be in your word this week. I pray for every single person in this place, God, no matter what our week has been, no matter where our walks has taken us, God. We just want to have the right thinking the way that you want us to think about things. In our relationships, in our walks, help us to please you. We need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I just pray that you would just surrender us with your grace and your mercy and your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.